Welcome to the Depression Files. This is Al Levin, your host. Due to the nature of this current episode, I decided to change up the format a bit and add an introduction. I was incredibly excited to have the opportunity to interview Joe Barksdale, NFL offensive linesman of the LA Chargers. Um, And at the same time, you can hear in this interview that Joe is in a pretty dark place still. Um, He uh, currently holds little hope that he will recover. And uh, I believe strongly that he will recover. He leads a really healthy lifestyle. And he's added a couple of new important strategies to his recovery that now include talk therapy and medication. So um, I'm really confident that he will recover. Um, While he has little hope currently for himself, he believes strongly in advocating and normalizing the conversations. That is why he is out advocating. Um, I, uh, you know, uh, thought hard about whether or not to even publish this. Um, I wanted to make sure I was in no way exploiting Joe. Um, He is out advocating um, at any rate. He's had several interviews. He's been uh, in a magazine or two. And uh, I want to support him in his goal, which is his advocacy and to normalize the conversations, as I mentioned. And uh, so I made the uh, choice after uh, doing a lot of reflection and talking with many people to publish this. Um, I also think it's important for people to hear uh, voices of men who are in different places uh, throughout their depression. And I really hope that you're able to get something out of this episode. Um, Please... uh, take a moment after listening to rate and review the show this episode and any other episode of mine i would really appreciate that thank you very much Uh, let's get to it you know i mean every morning i woke up i was just miserable i mean every morning i wake up i am miserable affects, you know, my attitude, it affects my patience, it affects how I respond to certain things. Welcome to the Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health, from depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right. Hey, I want to welcome to the show Mr. Joe Barksdale. Joe is actually a current member of the NFL. He plays for the L.A. Chargers, and he uh, plays offensive tackle. And uh, I want to welcome Joe to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to have you on the show, Joe. So I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be interviewed. You know, uh, so you are currently in the NFL, and you've opened up just recently about your depression. Um, How long ago did you open up about depression? Uh, I guess it's only been a couple weeks now. Really? Yeah. Okay. So... What's the reaction been from teammates, coach? They must all know that you're you're out there talking about the depression. 
Yeah, they've been um, they've been supportive. In in any particular ways? Um I mean they're helping, you know, spread uh you know, the article and uh that kind of thing. Um and just, you know, from a you know, from a vocal or just a, you know, if you need anybody to talk kind of standpoint too. Okay, so they've opened the door to a conversation if they if you wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. And, you know, you have described your depression as kind of a a lifelong battle. Do you have kind of any idea about when the depression really started in hindsight, looking back on it? Um, I'd say probably around eight or nine years old. Okay. And what is it about being eight or nine years old that you, you remember that makes you think you probably had depression at such a young age? Let's just, um, when, you know, people uh, around me really kind of notice the change, you know, in my personality. Can you say more about how your personality changed? Um, I used to be a, you know, outgoing kid, you know, happy all the time, that kind of thing. And, you know, they say as I got older, I just got more and more reserved and withdrawn. And were there certain pieces of your childhood that made you, your personality take such a drastic change that you can attribute some of the, uh, possibly the depression to? Um, I mean, that's that in and of itself is probably a podcast's worth of information. So I'll just say that it was a lot. A lot of difficulties and challenges and struggles yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Um, including like, the way you were raised, where you were raised, and so forth? Mm, yeah, pretty much um, almost every factor or aspect of my childhood has something to do with it in some way, shape, or form. Okay. I'm writing a book about it, so okay. those questions will be made clear a little later. Okay, all right. So, um, But it sounds like a, some definite challenges that, that you think created um, the difficulties and, and created depression to to manifest at an early age I'm, I'm sorry one more time so it just it just sounds like it was definitely um a lot of implications and challenges from early childhood that that caused a change in the personality and caused you to become withdrawn and most likely to to have depression at such a young age yeah okay um yeah and were you depressed then throughout elementary school, middle school, high school years? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I never really went away. Did you get any any kind of support at that time? No, I, um, at the time, I, you know, hadn't, hadn't addressed it yet or hadn't come to terms with it, so. Uh-huh. Um, did, was there a time in that path when you knew you were going through depression? I mean, at age eight, obviously, nah. you don't know that terminology or anything, but how about when you hit high school and stuff? Did Could you tell that something was going on that was just different from other folks you were hanging with? Not really. Um, I've always been more of a private person, so when it came to, uh, you know, what other people were doing, I was never really interested in it, so I never really knew. I just assumed everybody was like me. Okay. Um and you, did you have a, a group of friends in high school then that you were hanging out with? I mean, not on a consistent basis. My best friends in high school, um, 
or the people I saw the most were obviously the uh, football team members because I would see them in class. I mean, at practice. And I mean, I hung with my wife a lot in high school. Um, but it's not like, you know, I just had like a set group of people. My circle was fluid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And did, um, like your coach on the football team, did anybody ever approach you and recognize that you may be going through some real challenges with your mental health? No. It, that never came up all through high school? No. Okay. Um, and so what were you doing in order to manage and get by day to day throughout those years? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really look at it as getting by day to day or managing anything in high school because I didn't know I had depression. So you can't really get by on something that you don't, you know, know you have. I just assumed that you know, I was just living my life. Right, right. So you weren't, were you trying, were you doing any self-medicating? Was there drinking going on to make yourself feel a little bit better to ease the pain or anything like that? No. Okay. And are you able to describe any of what you were going through in those days that you would, um, like symptom wise, as far as depression goes? Were you able to go to school on a regular basis? Were you, you doing all yeah, that in I school? Mean, it's, yeah, it's like, a, I mean, I was a member of the National Honor Society. I had academic scholarships. I mean, I wasn't, you know, a messed up kid or anything like that. I just, you know, I mean, I, every morning I woke up, I was just miserable. I mean, every morning I wake up, I am miserable. It affects, you know, my attitude. It affects my patience. It affects how I respond to certain things. Um, and that's, you know, that's just who I am and, what it is i mean it's not like you know for me depression is not like a cold where i started sneezing or coughing and i realized i had to go to a doctor um i mean like i said you, you get used to just being miserable so long that it becomes normal and you just assume that that's just how it is right um do you believe that now that you've been open about it um that you can change and it doesn't you you don't have to wake up miserable every day no um my goal is to help people i know a lot of people have been you know as humans i think sometimes we try to project the reasons that we would do stuff on other people i wasn't doing it to be brave i wasn't doing it to you know um heal myself i was just doing it to help other people uh-huh um but being open about it now, are you able to seek treatment that you hadn't had in the past? No, I've, I've been getting treatment um, since um, I almost killed myself in November. Okay. Okay. And so there was a, a suicide attempt and then you started getting support? Yes. Okay. And so when you started getting support, is that via therapy, medication? Um, what type of support do you have currently? Um, therapy and medication. Okay. Um, so that's talk therapy. Yeah. Uh -huh. You doing that? Is that a weekly deal? Mm -hmm. Okay. Any particular style of therapy? Are you aware of that the therapists use? I know sometimes there's DBT or CBT cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff to work on your thought processes and such. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. 
Yeah. This was just, uh, your suicide attempt was just last November. Yes. Okay. So not all that long ago. Right. Were you um, immediately hospitalized after that? No. Okay. Uh, but you reached out for support. Yes. Okay. Um, I know sometimes I've heard of men who have had a suicide attempt and then, you know, somebody finds out and they're immediately put in inpatient or on a suicide watch type of situation. But that wasn't the case. Did you just reach out for support the following day? Yeah, I mean, nobody knew that I almost killed myself until that, until that article came out, really. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's not like it was pandemonium. I mean, as far as my life went, it was just another day when I woke up the next day. And was your wife around? Yeah, she was there. Uh-huh. So uh, she, I would imagine she must have been so frightened that she would want to reach out for support as quickly as possible? Um, you honestly have to ask her. I mean, I, I, I got to ask you to understand that, you know, my wife is, you know, not who I am. She's not the one that's come out and, uh, you know, made these statements. So I don't know how she feels about it. And to be honest with you, I don't try to bring up those memories and talk to her to find out how she feels about it. So. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, you think, do you feel like, uh, you're making headway and feeling better through your therapy and the medication? No, not yet. Are you hopeful that you will change and you will get better and you won't be miserable? It's not about, it's not about me. It's not, I don't, you don't want to feel better. (laughs) I just know that I want to help people. Yeah. That's that's, that's all I know. I think that's incredible that you want to help people. Um, I think it's incredible that you're out talking about it. And at the same time, I hope that there's a time when you realize you got to work on you getting better as well. And it sounds like through the therapy and medication that you're working that way. But um, I hope that you you gain some hope and know that, that you'll get better and you will feel better. I'm confident about it. You're doing the work that it takes. And I think opening up, uh, the doors and not everyone that does chemo is cured of cancer. Uh, that is true. Absolutely true. Um, okay. I mean, I can't change your mind and make you hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful for you. I can say that much. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know that, uh, one of the things you said you wanted to talk about was um, the fact that you don't want people to attribute this to CTE, which a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the NFL players uh, with a lot of head contact and concussions um, ending up with CTE or, CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And, and it sounds like you really want to be clear that this is not what this is about. Right, yeah, I mean, that's... Um... And that was a conscious decision that I made when I went public, you know, in the first place. You know, I didn't want, um, you know, because that's, the, that's one of the hot button issues these days is, you know, CTE. And I don't want people to, you know, just write it off as that because, you know, the goal was to show that, you know, this is something that real humans are dealing with every day. And it was also to show that, um, you know, I, I mean, it's not, you know, Oh, it started a lot. It started way before I started playing football. I didn't start playing football until I was like 14. Right. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction to make. And uh, 
I give you a lot of credit for wanting to make sure people don't mistake it for that and, and just write it off and attribute it to that. Mm. Um, so how, uh, how difficult was it for you to make the decision to open up? I know the decision was so that you can offer help to others. Um, did you talk to your, to people, your wife and, and people about opening up and was it difficult for you to make that choice? Uh, no, it wasn't really hard for me to make that choice. I mean, the way that I, you know, the way that I um, think is, you know, I don't really have any, you know, anything to hide, you know, when it comes to that, because I look at it like, you know, sharing an injury or an illness, because that's what it is. I mean, it's even called mental illness. Is anyone, you know, people, I guess what I'm saying is I, I looked at it like, you know, I'm not saying I'm sick because I'm sick. Right. I mean, that's, it is what it is. Like, I think, and I, that was one of the reasons that I, you know, came out the article in the first place because, you know, all the talks about bravery and courage and all that. I, don't, I just see myself as someone that was just, you know, being honest. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to just tell the truth these days, but that's that's what I do, and you know, if I'm a hero for that, or if I'm you know super courageous for that, then it is what it is. But all I'm doing is just telling the truth. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think, um, you know, I believe there definitely is still a stigma. Um, I wish everybody had the attitude that you do, um, and I think you're right. You're spot on. It's an illness, and and there should be no shame with it. I know looking back uh, when I was going through a major depressive bout, I definitely look back at pieces where I had shame and I didn't even know it at the time. Like I would come home with my medication and I would literally just tear up my the written prescription so that nobody would see that I was taking antidepressants. Um, and I give you a lot of credit for not having the shame and being open and talking about it and being willing to help others. <laughs> my teammates knew. I, was, I mean, well, they knew something. I had like the worst gas in my life for those two weeks that <laughs> when I first started the uh, medication. So, right, right. One of the uh, side effects that one can have. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Um, what about uh, you know another piece that I recognize, and I think maybe this is just because I've become more of aware of issues around race because as an educator we're doing a lot of racial equity work and i noticed uh i was in a three-week partial hospitalization program there was one black person a black man who showed up for two days and all along i never saw a black person and i'm wondering i would imagine that the stigma that i talk about is even more challenging for a black man who um you know, there's definitely this piece for all men of, of being strong and being tough and buck up and just deal with it. And it seems like that's mm -hmm. kind of what you were trying to do a lot of your life until it came to this dramatic point where you knew you finally needed the help. Um, was it challenging? And do you think it is more challenging for a black man to come out and be open about a, a mental illness like depression? Um, I mean, yeah. I yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, it, when you're talking about mental health in the black community, it's it's, it's really taboo, especially like you said in the um, you know black men. So yeah, I would say that um, yeah, on average, you know, that's probably the uh, the most difficult group to get to speak about it, and it's weird because 
I mean, obviously being a black man, I know a bunch of black men. I know a bunch of brown men and, you know, all the different shades. And, um, you know, the people I've heard back from the most and my direct messages and inboxes and tweets and texts are from black men that are like, hey, you know, I'm going through something too. And it just seems like, you know, um, they just get some kind of release just from telling somebody. And, uh, you know, I think when you have to keep something that secret, um, something that you really can't control, I mean, there's a, there's a problem because you can't address it. It's harder to treat it. If it's harder to treat it, it's harder to recover from it. If you can. And I mean, I look at, I look at mental illness the same way I look at cancer. Like I said earlier about the chemo, I mean, you know, cancer is, you know, a disease that people have. They try to take, they take medicine to try to recover from it. Um, and I mean, cancer takes lives. So is mental illness. I mean, so. Absolutely. Um, so do you think that played a role in you not sharing about your depression for until, you know, dealing with it for so long and I realize at such an early age you didn't realize that it was even depression um do you think you realized you were going through depression before your your attempt of suicide and yeah were you, were you just trying to mask it for a while this last one yeah um I was say the first time I tried to kill myself now uh-huh. uh but the, I say the second time no nah, not really but the third and fourth yeah I, you know I knew. You, I think the third you, time I just wasn't ready to admit it, but like that's why I started, you know, seriously getting the help in November because it was, you know, I mean, I almost died. So. Did I hear you right that you've had four attempts at suicide? Mm-hmm. Wow, and and it wasn't until this last one that you reached out for help. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I am. I am so glad that you're reaching out for help and that you're getting help and that you're opening up. Um, obviously I think one way to help work chip away at the stigma, like you said yourself, now that you're opening up about it, you're hearing from a lot of other black and Brown men, um, about their own challenges and they're able to comfortably open up to you. So I think what you're doing will help chip away at the stigma, particularly for black and Brown men, um, do you think there are other things the community can do to support black men in, in opening up about mental illness? I think they need to realize that they're people too. I think sometimes, uh, how can I put it? Sometimes, you know, like you talked about earlier, you know, the stigma of, you know, being a man, sucking it up, that kind of thing. And you got to realize, like, you know, men are people too, they have emotions and I know that they're supposed to be the leaders of the household and you know, A, B, C, X, Y, Z, but everybody needs somebody sometimes. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we just need to realize that I think that in today's society, you know, with with social media and so forth, conversations are a lot quicker and a lot a lot more shallow than they used to be back in the conversations, you know, days of old. I mean, Marvin Gaye made a song, you know, What's Going On, and made another song, What's Happening, Brother. They're on the same album. Um, And people don't really care how each other are doing these days. Um, 
you know, on the on a deeper level, people don't have time to, you know, really connect and, you know, really be vulnerable and, you know, actually have a real conversation. And um, I think that that's something that, you know, I feel like if we got back to as a community and as a society, um, you know, we could see some and we could see and affect some real change. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I even heard um, somebody giving a talk around kind of the technology and how it's impacted us um, socially. And, you know, people feel like they're so social using the social media, yet you sit down and if you sit down at a meeting and you're early, two people will be sitting down waiting for the meeting to start and they'll be on their cell phones, mm-hmm. you know, texting or checking Facebook or whatever, rather than what used to happen would be you'd connect with that person. Hey, how's your mm-hmm. day going? What's up, man? You know, and be able to talk and really we're missing out on that piece. And I think you're right. Everybody's lives are moving so fast too. We don't have, nobody really slows down to really ask how somebody's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're paving the way. And by opening up and, and talking about it, I think you're really paving the way um, for black men. And I think you're paving the way for men in the F- NFL and other athletes to open up and say, it's okay, it's not a weakness. You know, I think um, one of the quotes I see a lot throughout the advocating I do is, you know, it's not being strong isn't masking it and trying to deal with it on your own. Being strong is really kind of admitting it, facing it, and, and reaching out for help, which is really the, the being the strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Maybe because it's kind of like, you know, when people say, you know, true knowledge is knowing that you don't know everything. You know, true strength is knowing that you, you know, you're not strong enough handle everything exactly um and so were you concerned at all with your teammates feeling like something was different with you or that you weren't strong because you were dealing with depression a mental illness no no i mean at the end of the day i'm gonna be who i'm gonna be people are gonna be who they're gonna be um and there's nothing i can do to change how people see me so Would you describe the – I'm going to get into the NFL a little bit if you don't mind. Um, would you describe being in a part of the NFL – you've been in the NFL for seven years now, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is it a lot of – I have been surprised by – I'm not a huge NFL follower, I have to admit. but um, Neither am I. <laughs> you know, I've heard that there's not as much team camaraderie as you'd expect because it's more like – I'm going to fight and do what I need to do to stay, you know, a starter. And I'm going to, and it's all about, you know, trying to get to become a starter, doing whatever you can to beat out the guy in front of you rather than let's build up as a team um, and build that camaraderie as in some other sports. I think it's team to team. Um, I mean, when you do look at football, it's just logically it is hard to understand how a team can come together. But, um, you know, every team has a core group of guys and, you know, that's going to always be built around. And, um, I mean, yeah, but yeah, but I do think it's, I I think that's a case by case. Okay. How about in your case? Are there guys on the team that you're really tight with? Yeah. Um, I feel like this is probably the closest team I've been on since I've been in the league. 
Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. do you feel like it makes the team stronger when you can build a core like that? that Absolutely. I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if all your links are strong because everyone's together, it's kind of hard to, you know, break the chain, so to speak. Right. And uh, what do you attribute uh, that to with this particular team being so tight? Starting 0-4. I think if we never started 0-4, we don't finish the way that we do um, because we have to learn some hard lessons, you know, um, starting with all those losses. You know, you learn that, hey, everybody on social media ain't going to love you, you know. Right, you, right. You learn that, um, you know, at the end of the day, the only people that care about you besides your family are in this building. So you might as well get close with each other and come together and do something special as opposed to staying separate and, you know, checking your feeds on social media. Right, right. And, um, yeah, we, I mean, we said it, you know, we came together and we're like, you know, people are talking trash now and when we start winning and saying people are going to come around and praise us, so just don't listen to them, don't listen to them now, don't listen to them then. And um, the attention just shifted inward and, um, yeah, we grew. Ah, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, there obviously, I don't even know the percentage, but there are, you know, you hear young boys. I'm in education. I hear boys all the time saying, you know, I want to be in the NFL. I want to be in the NBA. And it is such a small fraction of people that make it. So first of all, congratulations. And a seven-year career already. You know, I read recently that the average career of an NFL player is three years. Mm-hmm. That was shocking to me, uh, and you're in, you're in seven years. What do you think it took for you to reach the top? You know, to be able to play in the NFL. What, um, what did it take that you had in you that did that? I'm actually still trying to prove to myself that I deserve to be in the NFL, and as long as I have that thought process, I'll continue to play. Once I feel like I have proved to myself that I deserve to be in the NFL, then I won't be playing in the NFL anymore. All right. So always, I mean, I would say that means you are always striving to get better, always striving to do do more and play harder and win more. Yeah. I mean, my whole life is about helping people and self-improvement. Yeah. Well, it sounds more, well, yeah, so definitely self-improvement when it comes to the NFL, right? Not necessarily self-improvement when it comes to your mental health, uh, but uh, helping Self-improvement others. on the guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm waiting for you to shift. I'm waiting to hear you say, damn it, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to enjoy waking up. Um, and I do want to talk about the guitar soon, too. I did read a figure recently that kind of blew my mind, and that was the amount of money you're pulling in are we able to talk about that or you not want to get into that on the guitar no 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 i'm talking nfl i read uh, about a, a uh, uh, contract I mean, I, you signed for a four-year contract right I, I, yeah i prefer not to. okay all right all right yeah. that's cool that's cool <laughs> I, it was kind of mind-boggling to me and i think it brings a good point too that you know just because you have a decent money you're doing a job you love Things can be going really well. You got a wife that you, you love, and things can be going really well. It doesn't mean you can avoid depression. 
I think depression can hit anybody, black man, white man, black woman, Asian woman. And, and it, you can be doing, playing at the top of your game, making good money, and things could be going well. And you could come down and crash with depression at any point. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your music. Is that part of your uh, self-therapy, I'm guessing? Yeah, it's an outlet, just like football's an outlet. But also, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a passion. Uh, is the guitar you play? Yeah. Electric? Yep, electric. And how long have you been playing the guitar? Uh, uh, almost four years. It'll be four years in the fall. Okay. And yeah. I, you know, you describe... Guitar, uh, the music you make, and the NFL both as an outlet. One clearly is a, a little easier on the body, I think. <laughs> no, guitar is pretty hard on the body too; just different parts. It cannot be like the uh, the physical uh, contact you endure on a regular basis out on the field. Uh, what got you into the guitar? Um, I needed something to do over the summer. I mean, over the uh, winter during the off season, I had, I had experienced a significant death, and uh, Coach Fisher suggested suggested that I try it out, and um, that you know that's how I got into it. Oh, that's cool! So it was actually a suggestion from one of your coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, did you take lessons right away? Or teach yourself? Yeah, no, I took lessons. Okay. You know, I didn't. Yeah, I, my thoughts were. I didn't teach myself how to play football, so I'm not going to teach myself how to play guitar. Right, right. And then uh, do you, what's your, how would you describe the music you play? Uh, it's Almond Brothers meets Hendrix. Wow, that is an awesome mix. Uh, yeah. And these are original songs you write as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just released an album, and I would say there's nine originals and four covers wow that's awesome did you uh so did your guitar lessons include songwriting lessons or is that something that came to you naturally that's just something that came naturally oh that's pretty incredible thank you and the songs are some of the songs around the depression or do they are they most do they have a typical uh topic or genre to them um i mean each song is a little different um and each song has a has a couple influences. Okay. So, um, so I say there's there's hints in a couple of the songs. Yeah. Okay. And you said you did release uh, an album, or one's coming yes. out soon. Okay. Yeah, well, I released an album. Okay. Um, it came out January 25th. It's on. Uh, I don't know It's on all, um, you know, major digital outlets. Okay, fantastic. What's the title? Butterflies, rainbows, and moonbeams. Excellent. So people can find that, like you said, pretty much any yeah, major. ITunes, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Title, YouTube, Spotify. You know. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations yeah. on your first release. Thank you. Many more to come? Yeah. I'm, um, before it's all said and done, I'll be known as one of the greatest musicians of my generation. Wow. So, uh, and right now is off season, right? Mm-hmm. So does that mean the guitar playing picks up a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I say the public guitar playing picks up a lot. Guitar playing amount, you know, at home stays the same. Yeah. 
Okay. And when you say public guitar playing, you play all you know, shows, venues? yeah, venues and gigs and so forth. All local, or you travel for that? Um, all local right now. All right, all right. Well, hopefully, we'll see you here in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities. You know, we uh, definitely have a lot of uh, music venues here. So uh, it would be cool to see you coming and taking a trip with the guitar to the Twin Cities. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, so what's next for you? I'm writing a book. Um, a memoir type of book? Uh, I guess so, yes. Each chapter is a different story. Um I've only been writing for maybe a couple, you know, like two or three hours. I've got like 20,000 words, uh, 30-something pages. So I'm taking my time with it. I'm not thinking I'm going to release it till near the end of my career. I don't, okay. um, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want it to be a distraction or anything. So Right. But yeah. you said uh, each chapter is a different story, but all pertaining to your life? Yeah, it's kind of like it's modeled after um, Rude Jude's book, Hummingbird. Okay. Yeah, it's like that. Awesome. Do you find the writing to be therapeutic as well as far as, as, far as your mental health goes? Uh, yeah, I keep a journal. Um, writing a book is just more because everyone, you know, everyone wants to know about my life. So um, as opposed to telling the same story over and over again, I can let a book do the talking for me. You know? Right. Right. And, uh, but you do journal to support your mental health. Yeah. I mean, I, I journal for a multitude of purposes, but yeah, mental health is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You journal daily or how frequently? Twice a day. Wow. Awesome. Um, mostly really personal private stuff. No, I mean, this is what I honestly, my journal is just whatever I'm thinking at the moment. Sometimes that's what I'm doing. Sometimes that's what I did. Sometimes it's what I'm thinking about. Sometimes it's random questions. Sometimes it's song ideas. Sometimes it's, you know, songs that I want to write. Sometimes it's songs I wish I wrote. You know, it's just whatever I'm thinking about at the time. Oh, that's awesome. What, uh, what else do you do to maintain positive mental health? Um, I find that I'm a guy that loves, uh, what's the word, structure. Okay. And, um, yeah, you know, some people try to make themselves happy by buying things. You know, I'm a simple dude. My thing is structure. Um, so I have a fluid, you know, schedule that that I kind of follow every day that involves, like, you know, eating healthy, uh, you know, doing yoga. Um, stretching, meditating, um, you know, dental hygiene. And, um, I mean, if I actually wrote it out for you, it'd be pretty, it'd sound pretty simple, but, you know, it makes all the difference in the world to me because, you know, it gives me some kind of feeling of consistency. You know, for people like me, consistency makes them feel a little better. Yeah. Oh, I don't think it sounds silly at all. Um, one of the, one of my blog posts actually is about the need for structure um, that I feel is important as well. Uh, I took, uh, 10 days off of work and because of depression and had no structure or schedule. And I, I couldn't even get out of, I couldn't do things. I couldn't leave the house. I'd make simple lists of things to do. And I, I just couldn't even do them. And I think having a schedule for me is important. So, uh, it, does it become challenging for you when you're off season and you have a lot of time? To be able to keep busy? 
I don't know. I mean, are you busy if you don't look at his work? I mean, it's not, you know, it's, um, I don't see it as, you know, tedious or anything like that, but, you know, I have time to discover new apps to use on my computer, you know, check in with friends that I wasn't able to talk to as often during the season, hang out with friends that I wasn't able to hang out with as often during the season, you know, play more live music. I mean, yeah. You know, a lot it of sounds stuff. fantastic. How long is the off season actually for an NFL player? Um, I mean, it's six months, but you know, there's parts of the off season that you know you still work out in, but yeah, you're not playing a game or anything like that for six months. Yeah, um, is some of that six months actually with the team with working out and everything, or is it six months of no practice, no games, no football, other than what you do on your own for training? No, yeah, it's with, with the team working out. Okay. Um, how much time off without the team? You, uh, you get a solid say, three months at least? I'd say three and a half, almost yeah. four. Okay. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, and, you know, it's interesting too because I think people talk a lot about the importance of physical health, eating right, the yoga, the meditation, all the pieces you talked about as far as maintaining positive mental health. And in your case, it also helps you stay mentally fit and physically fit for your job as an NFL player. Yeah. It's a a beautiful fit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just over, you know, I mean, it's, you know, without sounding cliche, it's just good for you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, uh, what type of advice would you have for other men in particular or men of color, uh, dealing with depression right now? Uh, I'd say you got to, uh, you got to really think long and hard first and foremost about, you know, where your mental state is. And, you know, do some research. I mean, that's the you know best thing that you can do with anything that you don't know about. You know, do research, look at the symptoms, that kind of thing. And after that, you just can't be afraid to get help because, like I said, if you found out you were sick or if you had cancer or something, you'd, you know, you'd run to the doctor. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, good piece of advice. And, uh, well, Joe, I plan on uh, following you and uh, you're advocating around mental illness, following your music career, your NFL career. And my goal is to touch base with you in a year or so to see how much better you have become. I think you're advocating and everything is going to help you incredibly mentally as well. And you've only opened up for two weeks. Um, you're going to see some huge changes. I'm very confident of it. And you need to, to be aware of that. I mean, people say you can't help others until you help yourself, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think you're on the road to both. Well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I really do. Yeah. So, well, stay in touch. I really appreciate the opportunity to interview you. And, no problem. Uh, and keep working at getting healthy and supporting others, and I'll be watching you. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks again, Joe, and stay healthy. No problem. You too. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741. 
to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.